Hi everyone, Thursday night, 9 o'clock, time for the Handicap Rugby Chat That Matters. The Rugby World Cup is on the rise and an eye for one cannot wait. And I know neither of my guests can as well. We're going to touch sides with them just in just a second. One of them's just made it home in time to join the show. Um, and yeah, just to mention that going forward, uh, probably from two weeks' time, the Handicap Show's time will change. We'll probably do multiple shows throughout the week as well with the World Cup. But there's no point doing it at 9 o'clock if there's potentially going to be clashing with a game, because I don't think people are going to want, want to watch the handicap while there's actually a game taking place. Anyway, everyone in position, now I'm going to start at the top of my screen. It's Pia at Bowl on Twitter. Pia, good to have you back on the show. It's been a while, mate. I know you've been following your rugby closely and gagging for the World Cup. Yeah, exactly, Brent. No, it's great to be back. Um, I'm so ready for this World Cup, just saying, um, going to all the box matches, hopefully the quarter and, uh, and the semi-final. So um, really, really looking forward to, to that. And um, I've been staying away from, from punting in these warm-ups. It feels to me a bit too much like Varsity Cup, but I've not missed the game so far. And um, I, I would say the excitement is really building over here. Yeah, I'm with you there. I wish I could say I'd stayed away because I took an absolute smack on France last week against Scotland. I had them minus 16 and a half. I had them to score over 32 points. And at 27-10, four minutes into the second half, I thought I was in the money, but it never happened. And I thought of even Oracle's wise words at the start of this rugby warm-ups, take it very easy. And uh, oh, I was just about to introduce Harry, but he does appear to have disappeared. So we'll get him when he when he comes back in there, Pierre. Um I might want to move closer to the mic. Is that for me, um, Jason? I think uh, I am trying on a, a new computer here, so there could be a problem if necessary. I will, I will change. Um, but you're right. Let's get let's get started on the matches anyway. So long. We've got four internationals that I want to cover tonight. Okay, I think he's back. Harry, you back? Yeah, yeah. No, I can always hear you, but I, I, for some reason I was floating around in space. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, good to have you on, man. What are you up to at the moment? Are you planning a trip to France to, to join PI over there to watch a few games? Yeah, so I'll be there from the 8th uh, to the 26th, and I think I have eight matches signed up, including some interesting ones with Tonga and Uruguay, but I have all the back the, the back ones as well. Oh, excellent. That's going to be great. And Pierre, quickly yourself, what, what you, you mentioned just before the show, before we came on, you also going to see quite a few games, eh? Yeah, yeah. So all of the all of the box games, um, and then the quarterfinals should they make it? So it's sort of this package you get the ticket if they make it, and then just straight up the semis as well. Um, yeah, those came in a couple of weeks ago. So I'm hunting for a one to the final. But in 2011, I went to New Zealand, um, only got semis and final, hoping to see the box. Bryce Lawrence ruined that trip for me. So I'm a bit wary this time, but um, I'm sure there should be a secondary market going here in Europe, um, should the box not make it to the semis. Yeah, Monsieur Oteto, he's been quite vocal already. I haven't brought all his comments up, but he's saying, how did you get all the tickets? That is quite impressive. Yeah, great to be going to so many games, guys. Well, let's talk a little bit about the warm-ups. And then before, before, before we finish the show, I definitely want to just touch on the latest World Cup betting. Of course, squad's been announced. We've had some quite interesting press conferences from certain uh, coaches as, as they leave the country. So we'll have a little chat about that as well. But let's get stuck into the first game. And Pia, I'm going to bring you in here. We're going to talk, uh, first and foremost, Wales, South Africa. Yeah, we've got a handicap. Now, I know you're not punting these heavily, but you can give us your views on this. I haven't been able to get points lines. I had a quick search on all the regular sites that have points normally early. I've seen absolutely nothing. We've got Wales here, plus nine and a half against South Africa. What do you make of this one? I mean, this one opened up on Sunday at um, sort of five and a half. And 
I thought that was really good good value if you wanted to be on the box because Ninaba was always going to play sort of the stronger combinations, right? Um, after the team got announced, it moved a couple of points, and then when Wales announced, it got now up to up to nine. Um, I'm I'm really liking the box here. Um, although in the past, I mean, the recent record against Wales suggests sort of single digit win, but I think the box should be able to double <laughs> do a double digit win. I just think the type five and with Kulisi back in the back row, it's so settled. And I, I know there's some. There's some hate towards Marnie in South Africa or some doubt. But in the URC, remember, he had that shocking game against Munster in the group stages. He just came back from that. And I, I sort of think we're going to see the same thing from Marnie this weekend. He'll, he'll switch on the back line. <clears throat> he will slot his goals. And I just think this is a really good, good box side with Moody and, and, and Cheslin out wide. Um, and I don't think Wells Wells have got this. They've tried to pick, pick a big back line, but in doing so, they've just invited um, Moody and, and Cheslin to run at them all day. So for me, I, I would be solidly on the box, and um, depending on where the points come out, I'd be interested in that. Um, the one thing is Franz Malhaber had his interview, I think, yesterday or today, and um, they had no idea if the, the roof was going to be open or not, but I don't think it should play it play a big role as it's quite dry in Europe at the moment. Right, just welcome to all the boys joining in the live chat. Mark's in there, Farid's in there. Um, I saw Chris McGowan come in as well. Um, yes, boys, plenty to talk about ahead of the World Cup. Harry, let me bring you in there. I, I tend to agree with Pierre. I think that the money's certainly been coming for the box after the team announcements and, and, and the shooter punters would have picked up on that or the likelihood of that early on. But Wales, for some reason, they have a, they're just one of those sides who tend to be able to drag South Africa into a bit of a dogfight. You know, I think of some of the close close encounters over the years. What, what are you thinking here? Is this handicap set right, or do you think there's some value in the box? Yeah, so ordinarily, uh, you'd say in the past five, six, seven years, you would say that that's a, a ticklish uh, number, and, and probably you wouldn't back the box to, to go to 10. Uh, the reason why I'll say I think you can and should this time is twofold. One, the traditional South African advantages are, are, are there. That's a tight pack. That's a good scrum. And Wales is going to struggle in a set piece. Um, and also you have people that are playing very hard for a position. So the way that uh, Ninaber and Erasmus announced the, the 8th August um, rollout, which was always a TV event, now you have built in this 22 days where you have people like Jaden and you have uh, Grant Williams really playing for a slot. There's no way they're going to take four scrum offs to, this, to the World Cup really this was always a setup so you have people really motivated to put the points on i think also you have the second reason why i would say this is because with the traditional big hard pack that's going to win penalties and i think money limbok is going to have a good day off the tee i think he likes that stadium the other reason is because the box are playing two different types of rugby now there is a definable plan b and you see it like in loftus you see it in against england and twickenham the counterattack. And I think um, that's what's going to make that traditional grind down Welsh effort not really work. I know that Ninaba wanted to do that uh, maybe a year earlier and was kind of coveted out. But now I think you're going to see the counterattack and the points on the board. So long-winded answer for I think that uh, it's going to be 10 plus for the box. And I feel comfortable with that when I look at the bench for the, Wales, the, the Welsh as well. I think they're going to have a tough final 20 minutes. 
and but maybe the general sentiment in the live chat is is going for the for the box there. Sorry, Pierre, what was that? Yeah, and I think Harry, the, the thing about Wales for me is they've had now two tough games against England, right? Those were real dog fights, six nations style. Um, they announced their squad on Monday. Gatler knows who he's picking. <laughs> the, the squad would most likely know who's going. That type of thing. Um, getting injured now, you saw Intermark and so on. I just don't think those Wales guys coming off the two very hard weeks, seeing the box side Monday in the back of the mind, they are really going to like try and take them to the gutters this weekend. You know, and also they haven't played three good matches in a row in a long time, Wales. They are really good at one or two, but that third one gets them. If you go back to the South African series in South Africa, remember the deciding one in Cape Town was a blowout, uh, but they were tough in the first two. That's been their pattern in the Six Nations as well. One game, one good game, one okay game, and then they fold. Right, lads. So, sort of, I think all of us leaning towards the box in this game. I think just to bring a few other comments have come in since he commented, but just to bring Hendrik's one in, I think, Pierre, this sort of goes along with what you're thinking as well. He doesn't like the warm-ups, and I know Hendrik means it from the betting angle, but he expects a bit of a statement from the box against Wales, and I'm certainly leaning in that direction as well. Let's go on to the next friendly we got. Now, this one... I know bookies have suspended a few markets. Uh, some of the bookies were suspended when I looked just before the show. But uh, I'll start with you, yeah, Harry. We've got a big handicap. Italy minus 34 and a half against Romania. Italy looked to have selected a strong side. And Romania, I can't remember the exact score. But it was something like 56-6 against Georgia last, last week. They were given a hiding. So we've got a big handicap here. Is it big enough? No, so I'm not sure about this one. I'm not sure that Italy can actually score 35 points just by, just by themselves. <laughs> just getting 35 points. So, so I, you know, I think a comfortable win, but, you know, a comfortable win of 28 to 6 or something is a, is still a hiding, but it's not 30, 35 points margin. Um, I don't think Romania is that poor a club to write them off. I'm not sure of that, by the way. I just don't think it's comfortable for me to go 35 points on a match when, uh, like I think Pierre has been saying, uh, we don't even know how much the coaches want the game to blow out to a certain level. I mean, if the question is I'm 28 nil up and then all my best players are kind of done and dusted for the day, it's at 55 minutes, I'm taking them off and put the ice on. So I don't want to drive a score up. You know, there's no, there's no motivation I can see here that would make them go to 40 points for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think that is the worry with warm-up games. You know, if a team's chasing points difference or bonus points, you know they're going to kick on. But Pierre... At, at the end of the day here, you don't really know what's in the coach's mind. And, and I agree with Harry, you know, team might just go on there, get the game wrapped up early and then start experimenting. Yeah, and I mean, for like a side like Italy, right, they've got more to lose than to gain out of this game. Jo um, Romania is different. I mean, they, they lost to uh, the US a couple of weeks ago and I think they were down 31 nothing at some stage in that game. And then last week... Um, big hiding against Georgia, which they really should be on par with. So I think they have get a bit more out of this game. And Italy, I, th I see Capuazza is back um, for the first time in a while. So I would say that, like I said, like 40 minutes, blow, blow out, take off the guys, do some combinations, try some things. Romania gets a couple of tries and your, and your, you know, your 34 should have been a, a 30, right? So um, this one... I would say watch it out of interest, get, gain some knowledge on Romania. Might be a good one for the plus in the World Cup, one of the games. 
So this might be a good thing for the punters just to sort of have a look and see see who is there. Welcome to many of some of the best kits, uh, some of the best jerseys in the whole World Cup as well as a bonus. <laughs> but Harry, I was just going to ask you now, based on what what Pia said there, um, watching the smaller teams like Romania and 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 that sort of thing, you know. The, those are actually perhaps, if you're looking at it from a pure punting point of view, perhaps those are the games where the money's going to be made. Because let's face it, everybody knows the All Blacks. Everybody knows Ireland. We all know when they're at full strength and that. And I'm talking now in the World Cup. But not many people are going to know who the key Romanian player is. And, and perhaps there's an opportunity there for punters to, to get a little bit of edge. So it's so probably good advice to watch these games closely. Yeah, no, for sure. And also, even though it's a friendly and it's a warm-up, they still have cards um so there's also that uh you, yeah, you get true. italy a card or two and you have a couple of this romania have good kickers so you have you have someone who just slots their goals uh and maybe italy's a little bit off the pace and even someone like capuzzo is coming back a little bit rusty you know you've seen those games where it's everything to namibia to play against you know a big power and they can hang in there for a while so you know, Romania's big nemesis is Italy. Italy is the it's that's the big team in their region. So they would love to be able to give Italy a scare. I just think it's difficult to know, and I, I, I wouldn't put much money on this one. But it's, it, it'll be a good match. Yeah, I might have a look at points in that there as well. Right, let's go to Pierre for the next game. We got Ireland minus fifteen and a half against the English here. Pierre, big handicap at England. You know, they've been absolutely dismal what I've seen of them the last the last couple of weeks. Although credit to them for coming back um, with 12 down last week to actually win that game against Wales. But, you know, you've got to think full-strength Ireland side will put them away. But oh, who would have ever thought a few years ago we'd get a handicap like this? No, it's quite incredible. And I, and I know there's quite a lot of England bashing going around at the moment. I'm certainly not a big fan of theirs. But if you watch that, um, that yellow or when England were down to 12 last week, right? Um, one guy did an analysis. England had the ball. Um, um, sorry, Wales only had the ball for two minutes out of the ten. England controlled the ball with twelve men against them. They are still a wily old team. They can come back. They can sort of make an upset. But I think this week has been incredibly disruptive uh, with Farrell's um, ban now under review again, or not ban under review. So it sounds like Ford will start. Farrell. Uh, perhaps on the bench. So that must have been very disruptive for them this week. And it's sort of not like a galvanizing event, really. Um, so it's a difficult one. And I think also Ireland, um, they are a good side. Going against them is like going against Leinster at home, right? It's such a difficult thing to do. Um, so if pressed, I would still go here, Ireland minus 15. You know, that last score is a little bit too much. But I think it's been just a bit too disruptive for England and as well, two, two very hard games the last two weeks. Ireland's build-up has been real, um, I would say, warm-up matches in the sense. They haven't had this real intensity. And again, England, they're not consistent. So I can't see them three weeks fighting for 80 minutes. So for me, Ireland all the way. Right. Mark is pointing out the Irish guys might be a bit rusty there. Harry, what do you think of this game? Oof, I don't know. This is actually very difficult. And I actually agree with some of the um, analysis points up here, but then I kind of go the opposite way on what, what it will do. So 
I do think this can galvanize a team sometimes. They can feel, even unjustly, they can feel that they were unjustly treated. I mean, I think Owen Farrell was given a, a freebie, but I mean, they might think it's uh, cherry picking and the whole world's against them because the world is against him. And um, so I think it could, it, could, it could be difficult. And my problem with Ireland is, you know, a little bit short of a gallop. Uh, England had some good, tough games against Wales. I do think the guys are playing for Borthwick. I do think that the Leicester style is taking over now at England. And I think that's the proper style for England, by the way, not the Harlequin style. I think the proper style is the Leicester big pack. Uh, the one type of team that can sometimes muck up Ireland is the box or under the Dave Rennie, the Wallabies type, where they just smash everything and they roll through. So England is always at a special place in their heart for messing up Ireland. Even if they want to spoil someone's party, take someone out of the World Cup, I wouldn't put anything past England of knocking someone out of the World Cup. So I, I think it could be a really tough tussle, and I'm, I'm not really fond of the 15 and a half game. I, I think that's too much. Um, I think it might just come down to, you know, seven or eight points by the end. Um, and I think Ford is plenty. Uh, there's an argument in England that Ford is better for the, the team than uh, Owen Farrell. So we'll see. It's funny you say that. I'll find my comment. I just put up there answering Darren. I actually, I think Ford, I would have Ford as my number one choice as Fluff. I was a bit, and this is coming from a guy, I mean, I was actually a big Farrell fan years ago. In fact, there was a time people used to, you know, think I was mad, but I used to say Farrell was the first guy if I was picking a World 15. There was a time four or five years ago, he was the first guy on my team sheet. I think he's lost that edge, but he's kicking for me is not as consistent as it was. And I think for England, they should give Ford a good run in the in the ten jersey. I, I think he'll, I think he'll potentially go well there. Um, any thoughts on that, Pierre? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Farrell sort of he, he went into his shell a bit. It feels like that. And and I mean, at Saracens, it works well for him because that's such a machine in which he in which he operates. I've always liked sort of the the ten twelve Ford Farrell style play. I think the Smith Farrell doesn't work, and Farrell by himself, the backline does not really get unlocked. I think Far um, Ford is is the best general for England that they can have, but you know Borthwick. I, I mean, he he will stick to Farrell. It's his captain, um, perhaps too much to his detriment. Um, so for me, I would I would like to see. If I were, were England punter or let's say in this World Cup and it's a handicap and I see I'm seeing Fords at ten, I will be leaning towards England, you know, which whichever way, probably a plus the way that they are going, but then a, a plus on England when when Ford's around. So Mark reckons uh, the average winning margin has been 14 points. And Alex, good to see you uh, there, mate. I'm sure you've got lots of bets coming for the World Cup. England under two and a half tries when that line comes out. Um, we're going to go to one more game now. i just put Joe's comment up there on this one before we get there. And that is going to be a France up against Fiji. Now, uh, Pierre, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, France minus 14 and a half. I think this handicap has come in a bit. Before you, before you even um, talk about that one, I see someone pointed out on the Good for the Game forum that this was the opening line that actually moved this week. So France were minus one and a half against New Zealand in the opening game. And that has actually come in, and that is, of course, because of the, the big news yeah. in the, of, of the France injuries to Intermac uh, and, and the prop, I forget his name now, uh, is it Cyril, Cyril Bay Bay. or something along those lines? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that's it. So, Pierre, what, first of all, um, maybe just a quick comment on that. How big a loss is that for France? We will talk some World Cup later. And then uh, your thoughts on the handicap here. 
No, I, th I think that's a massive loss for France. Um, um, it was such a good um, DuPont into Mac. You know, if the one is a little bit off, the other one will be on. Um, they play together at club level. It just works. And Intermark has got that little bit of a specialness about him. He kicks his goals as well um, quite hard on the field. So I think that's a big loss for them. You see the, the pool betting has changed. Uh, France's odds to win it outright has changed. So there has been a big reaction. So number two... A lot of people like Jalibert. I think there's a lot that don't like him as well. Um, I'm not sure if he's starting at 10 this weekend. I haven't. I just quickly flick through the team. Yeah. But, is, yeah. Yeah. So that that then he will start that game against New Zealand, right? So there's then you know there's now the time to get him to get him going. Um, I think that I think Cyril Bay is as big a loss to France as um, Intermark actually. He is, for me, one of the... Pro He's the one that can keep up with, let's say, a South African or New Zealand front row is settled by. Now, Harry, uh, maybe starting off on that point, is he out of the World Cup totally, or is he potentially... I did see something that he might be back for the quarterfinals, uh, first of all, and, and then yeah, your thoughts on your thoughts on this particular game. No, so I think Cyril Bay can come back for the quarters, um, mm. but it's a tough one to name a prop because you only can really squeeze in five if you've got a if you've got a, a change prop or maybe six if you're going to go really heavy. I, I actually agree with Pierre that I think the loss of Cyril is, if anything, maybe it's bigger because he's harder to replace. Uh, Johnny yes. Bear is a really good player. Uh, they do play off nine mostly, and Ramos is the number one kicker. So in a way, you can sort of hide that loss. Uh, and also, the French don't play with the ball as much. But um, and a sort of twist around in this World Cup is that. New Zealand and South Africa have better scrums and better front fives than the Northern Hemisphere teams do. So you don't want to lose one of your key. It'd be like if Ireland lost Ty Furlong, you could argue that mm. that's actually a bigger loss than if they lost um, Sexton, uh, just because yes. they have people who've had to fill in. So uh, I don't know. It's very interesting. I would think there's a big push in the French um, public and, uh, and, and the team to not have anyone else injured, right? So when you start thinking like that, as we all know from rugby, when you try not to get injured, you get injured. And uh, it's, a, it's a strange thing. So I, I actually think this is a strange game and very difficult to predict. Um, there's, a, there's a bit of a disorganization like now in the French camp. You look at Ireland and New Zealand, it's very calm. You look at some of the, you know, the drama in Australia and and the, and, and the French, maybe it's a little bit of a up. And something about the French is when it starts going pear-shaped, it can go very pear-shaped. So um, I, would, I would look for this to be one of those games where they don't try too much. That way, if it doesn't go that well, they can say, well, we weren't really trying. And they will do, a, you know, not, not very much attack. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. This, I just saw a Darren post for South African punters. It's still plus 17 and a half on WSB. So you can get that on, on Fiji for this game. Pia, just one thing I've picked up, a lot of guys talking about Fiji. I know guys who've taken 18-1 to 1 Fiji to win the group. There's plenty of talk about Fiji being that team. I'm getting the feeling that Fiji's fortunes could make or break punters of this World Cup. They're either going to be, as uh, I think uh, Henrik said, Uruguay could be a bit of a cash guy. Fiji are going to either make punters a lot of money, but if they don't arrive at the party, they're going to cost punters a lot of money because they are one of those sides that have really struggled for consistency over the years. And I think the general feeling is now they've got a pack in that that can, that, that can keep them in the hunt. What do, you, what do you make of them? 
Yeah, I mean, what was it? When did they let Vern Kotzer go? Sort of at the start of the year. Um, I think back then it was a bit all over, right? You didn't know, is it is it worth, you know, is Fiji going to be worth a punt? So they were quickly, very quickly turned around. Um, a lot of people talk them up from number six to 15, which they should. Really, really good players. Um, the thing for me always with Fiji is, when it's those scrums, it's four penalties, a yellow card comes, right? That has always been the, the thing that, that holds up Fiji. Um, and in the World Cup, I think like they, that I hope they turn over Wales. Um, I do hope they make it to a quarter final. That, that would be brilliant, would be brilliant for those, the rugby in that region again. Um, but if it's going to be those scrums and so on, I, I yeah, your heart sort of bit goes out to Fiji. It feels a bit unfair that you're losing a game solely on scrums and yellow cards. But then that's how we won the World Cup a few years ago. Um, so, <laughs> that's, you know. That's, uh, that's, that's, yeah. that's very true. So, I mean. Okay, this, gentle... So, I mean, I don't, Sorry, I don't really have a, I, I'm sort of with Harry, right? I don't really have a, have a punt. I remember watching one game a few years ago where Fiji turned um, over France. Uh, it was one of the November internationals. It was a brilliant game to watch. That game, Fiji actually took their points. It was a rainy game. Um, so they could play it. Um, this weekend, perhaps a small punt on points, overs on points as the weather is quite good here at the moment. Um, so that would be my play because Fiji won't, um, they won't, you know, it's not a warm up, right? They're still going to throw the ball around and France will score some tries as well. So a points game, perhaps if, if the bookies don't set it at 60. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see what, what the line is there, but uh, certainly looking forward to seeing how Fiji go. Right, guys, we're going to talk a little bit of World Cup just for a few minutes after this, but let's get into the weekend. It's, first of all, feel free to throw in anything else. I don't know if they, I'm sure there are a few other international games. I've only covered the, the main ones here. And uh, Harry, for yourself, of the games we discussed, or anything stand out for you this weekend? I mean, the spicy match <coughs> is between England and Ireland. You have the father of Owen Farrell coaching the Irish team. You have... Um, a lot of hatred in between those two teams and but specifically there's a lot of hatred by Irish people of Owen Farrell, let's just be honest. So I think there's a really good byline there. I just think this is one of those matches where maybe England will care a lot more than Ireland. I think Ireland solely fixated on quarterfinals and overcoming their hex in the World Cup. England's trying to stay in the conversation, trying to stay relevant. Um, and so I think you might see one of their better matches. So that's where I'm going a little bit counterintuitive, and that's my best bet is I'm going to go with England on the road, battling against the world, um, falsely and wrongfully galvanized. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like that. I like that. That's a very good explanation there, Harry, at the plus 15 and a half. Pierre, uh, yourself, anything? Uh, I don't know if you bet on the NPC. Um, I didn't bring up the betting because I, I, I wasn't sure, but if there's anything on the NPC you like as well? No, no. When, when I'm sort of out of the betting, I'm out of everything, right? So I'm out of the internationals. I leave the NPC because one thing leads to another one, right? And then I wake up at four and, you know, and then you start watching all of those games. So I've actually skipped those. When the World Cup starts, I'll start looking at the NPC as well. So nothing, nothing okay. Nothing from you there, Mark, saying, hang on, we Irish, don't, don't date England. <laughs> I like that okay. one. Um, 
And uh, Farrell must easily be the most overrated player of the modern era. Yeah, Farid, at the moment, I, I don't rate him particularly, but I still, in his, at his time, I really thought uh, I really thought he was uh, one of the greatest. But uh, Mike M coming in, England look gone. Can't wait for the All Blacks to take out Ireland at the World Cup. And Mike, we'll let that lead us into um, we'll let that lead us into a little bit of World Cup chat. Now, now I've got the outright betting scrolling below. Um, and I'll take you through that New Zealand five to two, France three to one, Ireland five to one, South Africa eleven to two. You can get ten to ten to one, England, and then Australia twelve to one. I mean, at halftime of the Australia New Zealand game, I Bloomer dropped everything and I went and backed Australia twelve to one. I felt sure they would start the tournament at eight to one. Then along comes Eddie Jones, selects a squad that most people don't like, and and, and the, the twelve to one is still very much there. Uh, you can get twenty eight to one. If, and I, I think it was Shark Brain on last week's show in the live chat. Had had a few drinks and he was uh, punting Argentina quite heavily to win. But now, only kidding, Sharp and I definitely have a chance. And you've got forty to one Scotland and forty to one Wales. So, Pierre, I'll start off with you there. Give me give me your views at the moment on the outright market. I think this is the toughest World Cup that I can ever recall to get a confident bet down. Yeah, and I, and I mean it's obviously down to the draw, right? Um, South Africa, New Zealand, France, and Ireland in in the same side, right? So that that makes it quite difficult because they all have short odds. The one sort of that you feel the one that gets through there, or the one or two, that those will be your your runners. Um, for me, I I really think we we will have a a Southern Hemisphere winner again this year. Um, it just feels like a Northern Hemisphere has put too much pressure on themselves. New Zealand is really coming good um, at the right time. So I'm looking for them to turn over France. Then um, France in a quarterfinal with all of these disruptions, the weight of the nation. Um, I can see like the likes of a South Africa um, or a Ireland or a Scotland, actually, um, depending on one of the three that face them, is also to, to take them out. New Zealand then goes to the side of the draw. I think they, they should get Australia if all goes to, to the rankings. That's a shootout. Um, so a New Zealand, definitely for me, um, a good runner for the final. Um, on the other side of the draw, um, I I know there's a lot about Ireland um, at the moment, but when I look at the group stages, so Ireland played Tonga first, and that is the game where you can get injured, right? Then you have South Africa after that for them. South Africa has Scotland first up. And I think South Africa is taking that Scotland game quite seriously. So imagine your island, South Africa has turned over Scotland. You come off a hard game. Um, that South Africa game all of a sudden becomes very important. You lose that, then there's a knockout between you and Scotland. There's currently a bet, 8-1, to one, for Ireland not to get out of the group. Um, that is one that I'm eyeing, is to say South Africa and Scotland get out of the group and and that eight to one Ireland gets knocked out. That's sort of a long-term bet. I know Mark. Mark is hating it. I was going to say I've got a lot of Irish guys in the live chat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching this very closely. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I look at the long-term bet this week, and this is like the you know it's the most exotic how they come right. These things don't always go according to plan, and um, if there's one of the big boys that can get knocked out of the group at a good price. For me, that is Ireland. If you if you want to oppose them, right? If you don't feel they can go all the way, that eight to one is a really really good number for that game. 
I mean, essentially, if you're opposing Ireland in the group stages, you, you're obviously backing Scotland because, I mean, Scotland are the team that can put them out. The same argument would obviously apply to the box, you know. I mean, uh, Scotland have certainly got an opportunity. What what price are the box to go out at the group stages? Did you have a look at that? It's, it's the same. So the box same price, same price, eight to one. Okay, Mark Dunphy has come in here and said there's absolutely no chance of Ireland not getting out of the pool. And Harry, on that note, let's get your thoughts on the tournament, how things are progressing. Any teams that you feel are perhaps have, have a bit more chance than the bookies think? I mean, what, what did you think, for example, of Australia's, first of all, squad selection, and secondly, the, the Eddie Jones press conference? So you have to love that guy. Yeah, so if you go with the most charitable explanation, he's trying to drum up support, get on the front pages, and build an us-versus-them mentality. I don't really think that's true. I think there's a lot of pressure, and he's losing. He lost his attack coach, uh, so he's actually got no one around him that's a senior coach that can give him advice. And I think when Eddie is in that situation, he doesn't do that well. Uh, I also think he has personality conflicts with Quade Cooper. That's the only reason why you can say that you're not going to pick Quade Cooper, a 65-cap veteran, one of the best guys on his day in world rugby over Ben Donaldson, who doesn't even kick for his club. He's the understudy to Tain Edmet. So I think all that stuff is something happened in the background. Maybe Quay Cooper said, you know, this game style is ridiculous. You know, why are we not playing with more possession? He didn't like it. So there's more yes men around him. He has only Nick White, maybe James Slipper, who can actually say something. And he picked a captain who's not going to say anything to him at all, right? Australia, I think still, though, even with all that said, it sails through because they are particularly good on the matchup. So I think it's the draw and the matchup. So the draw is going to, you know, is terrible for Scotland. They're against two teams that know how to beat them, that have the power and set piece to beat them, that I think will beat them. But on the other side of the draw, you have uh, Scotland would have a nice run and they're not going to go anywhere. And then you have the other side of the draw where you have probably you have a very uh, uh, interesting run for Argentina. So I'm looking at Argentina as a team that has... They, they play well on the road, and so we're going, we're going. everyone's on the road except for the French. And so who can win on the road? Well, Argentina's done it in New Zealand. Argentina's done it in Australia. Argentina's pushed the box recently and done well in South Africa. And a lot of their players play now all over the world like, you know, they're just roaming, uh, you know, vagabonds like wolves, and they play fine. They've got a coach that's, you know, a really tough guy, and he's picked tough guys around him. And so I'm thinking that they could do something on that side of the draw. I'm not that keen on England, just because I haven't found their shape yet. I think they'll be okay maybe in a couple of years. Uh, and then I don't really love the idea of some of these Pacific Island teams just bashing them up, you know. So I think Argentina can handle the physical nature of the, of the Pacific teams. I worry about Wales against Fiji. I worry about their ability to handle that type of game. On the other side, I think it's all about who gets who in the quarterfinals. I think the box will will fancy a game against the French in front. I think that's not going to bother them. Playing the All Blacks, you'd have to say All Blacks are favorites again. I think the All Blacks struggle against Ireland for some reason, and so that's a tough one for them. But if it goes to form, I see the All Blacks and the Springboks in the final, in the, in the grand final. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I see um, perhaps Argentina sneaking into the semis. Right, yeah. I like yeah. an Argentina pick as well. Pierre, I want to come to you um, to comment to comment on on that a bit, but also I've got a feeling, and I'm, I'll speak to a couple of bookmakers about this and find out if, I, if I'm wrong, but by now I've normally nailed my colours to the mast. I've got a team that I think is going to win the World Cup. And and a lot of others, and, and I actually haven't really got that involved yet. And for me, the reason is quite simple. It's the bloody draw. 
You know, you look at South Africa, it's 11 to 2, but as we discussed, it's not impossible they could go out at the group stage. You know, if you're going to back a team that you're pretty confident of getting to the semis, it's almost got to come from the other side of the draw. But then that team, at the same token, you don't really see those teams kicking on to to win the tournament. Would you would you would you say that's a fair comment? I mean, I I just think it's I'm 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 normally like to have my team by now. I'm ready to go, and I'm really really battling. Yeah, I, I mean, I looked before the show on some of the the long term betting or tournament betting for the World Cup, and other than this island bet, uh, I mean, nothing nothing really shot out to me. There's nothing where you could say like, yes, look, they need to come over this one. And um, and then my team can make it, and an eleven to two or a eighty one is a runner. I haven't seen that. So the only long term bet or uh, bet in advance that I've put down is actually in the first round of games to take um, Chile plus twenty. I think it's twenty five. Oh, I saw you put that on the yeah. the good for the game forum. Yeah, uh, for twenty three to twenty plus twenty five um, because Japan has just stagnated. So. For me, I'm actually looking at that first round of games more than the outright betting this year. So hopefully the bookmakers come up with some interesting things. Um, or let's say lost for Southern Hemisphere. That could be a very, very nice bet, right? Because you have Australia and Argentina that, um, that can make it. And on the other side, um, South Africa, New Zealand, if it goes sort of that to form, you might have some good odds on that. So hopefully they get a bit creative because I think I don't know how much has gone down other than from pure loyalists um, to just yes. get pocket going and maybe something like a total red cards. Let's go over on that one. Um, things like this, right? So that, those markets will be out. I think those markets will be out in probably the week before. I just want to appear, just talking about that, I see Joe, for example, coming here. This, this to me, Joe, illustrates my point a bit. Ireland v. AB's final. Now, I haven't actually seen betting and it sounds like you might have seen a few more exotic markets. I haven't seen betting on who the finalists are going to be. And and once again, the problem with Joe's pick, and there's nothing wrong with it, <laughs> is there is a good chance that these sides will meet in the quarterfinals. The only the only final, we're not going to say, the only one you can really back with confidence, knowing they will not meet each other again, is a, is a New Zealand-France final, basically, or a South Africa-Ireland final. All of the others, you know, the other combinations could potentially meet each other in the quarters. Um, <laughs> I think that's maybe why we haven't seen this market yet. What do you think? You know, I think so. You, when you Monte Carlo this whole thing out, the whole problem is the first part of it is completely different from the second part. Like whoever whoever progresses from New Zealand, France, Springboks, and Ireland is immediately going to inherit those good odds going forward. So it's difficult right now to do anything because you don't know where the quarterfinal matchups are, and they're very different. I mean, you you look at um, the reason why uh, Ireland, for example, would be favored is they've been playing in a six nations tournament that's almost been like a two nations tournament i mean argentina is miles better than italy argentina would give um, wales trouble the last few years and australia in their day against and butterslows is just as good as scotland so the whole tournament of the rugby championship is actually a tougher proving ground and so sometimes i think the french and the irish get upgraded and they don't play the southern hemisphere teams enough away in a neutral venue so i think right now if you just said you have to put guns to your head and say ireland versus box on a neutral field it's not like one versus four it's really just evens and so same thing i think when you have the all blacks come in for a proper world cup this new all blacks team is not going to lose to ireland like it did in new zealand I, I, I don't see that so it's very difficult to stack these odds and make any sense of it 
until we've seen the pool stages close and we see who's actually in form. Uh, so that's why it's brilliant for betting, of course. <laughs> no one knows anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. I mean, it's brilliant for betting because you can find some value. I mean, Joe, for example, you were, I don't know, I haven't seen the price of your final that you bought up there. But I mean, if you if you take a view on that and you write as, as to how you call the groups, you, you're sitting with a great bet with great value. But I kind of, Harry, what you said there rings true for me. I think I'm, this is going to be one of those World Cups where I'm probably going to wait for the group stages or at least see how the groups are going before I have too many more. Uh, I say this, but we all know I'm going to get involved before the World Cup. I mean, I'm just a victim. So, I mean, but if you're asking me now for it, I would say the advice that Harry's given there is actually the best. It's sort of see how the group stages go because you're still going to get decent prices and the betting will not change that dramatically because unless Scotland get involved in, in you know, in knocking South Africa or Ireland out, right. the betting's going to be probably very much the same because they've still got to meet in, in the quarters. But if I had to put a gun to your head now then and say, Harry, who's going to win? One bet for you who's going to win the World Cup. New Zealand. New Zealand, okay. I, yeah. I, I must say, I know Henrik's not going to agree with that, but Henrik will acknowledge that New Zealand are very much a different side from the one that played last year. And I'm starting to, I hate to say it, I'm starting to think along the lines of Harry Jones there as, as well. <laughs> um, Pierre, what, what about you? Yeah, for me, I, I can see sort of the, the New Zealand, but it's just been go going too plain sailing for them. That's not sport. I really think um, I'm with Hendrik here. I will see him in Paris. We will that night put money on the box again for the to win it, to take it home. So um, I really think um, the box can, can do it um, with or without um, Pollard. Um, I, I think they've got the squad and all of the mechanics in around it to, um, to win this World Cup. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, I think one day I wake up and I think the box can win it, win it, and the next day I wake up and I think they're in danger of going out of the group stage. I just can't, I can't get my head around that. Chris, I enjoyed your comment there. He envies the guys that can place long-term bets. Chris, I envy them too because I remember, like, I backed France started from 2009 and I backed them until 2011. They lost in the final, unfortunately. But in those days, I could afford to tie money up. These days, unfortunately, I'm I can't afford to tie money up because then I've got nothing to bet on the weekend. So I tend not to get involved in the longer-term bets. We'll wrap things up now. Just have a quick look. S. Bach coming on. I'm bringing your comment up before I read it. So hopefully it's nothing obscene. The only reason Ireland and France in the winning side was because of corrupt referees. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure uh, people would, would argue that. And, um, yeah, that's it, I think. First of all, thanks to the guys in the live chat. Harry, thanks for rushing back to make the show, mate. Much appreciated. And I'm sure we'll talk yeah. to you in the lead-up to and including in the World Cup. For sure. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Always great to have Harry's comments. Um, and just to, before I say goodbye to Pierre, is Oracle having fun in the bedroom? Well, I don't know about that. If, if, I can guarantee you it's only him having fun if that is the case. No, I don't know. Um, Pierre, <laughs> yourself? <laughs> don't let Oracle listen to this. Pierre, um, yeah, uh, from, your, from your side then, uh, You've, you've said you fancy the, fancy the box there. What else you got for us on the weekend? Any other sports? I know you're not betting on the rugby. Are you like me? Do you turn your attention to golf then? No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really... It's the first week that we've had sun in Switzerland for this whole summer. So I'm, I'm off of the sport except for the rugby. I'm really waiting for the World Cup. And then it will be pretty much every game. Right. Excellent. Well, look out for the... 
uh, we'll, as soon as I've had a good look at the schedule, we'll we'll make a time when we're going to bring out the handicap shows. But we will be up next week, Thursday. I'm playing in a sports trivia quiz, so we, I will have someone else hosting the show. We look forward to that. And, yeah, we'll have a Super Brew competition as well, including what I'm hoping is going to be the biggest buying competition of all time. But I better get my arse into gear and get that going. We'll see you next week, 9 o'clock, for the handicap rugby chat that matters.